Hello everyone, I'm Amy Wade, Commandant at Langley Airman Leadership School. I'll be on the upcoming Rise from the Shadows podcast, Friday, 15 October. You are now listening to the Shadows podcast. Hey Shadows listeners, if you're looking to make some extra income that also impacts people, then you need to look at becoming a certified leadership coach with Giant. If you don't already know, Giant has been in the leadership space for over 13 years. I got certified through Giant in 2018, and I've been teaching ever since. Just to give you some context, they used to own and operate the John Maxwell brands. They ran the LeaderCast conferences where Jim Collins, Henry Cloud, Malcolm Gladwell, and Simon Sinek, just to name a few, were regular speakers. They have over 500 coaches worldwide, working in over 127 countries, and are being hired by companies like Google, Chick-fil-A, Pfizer, Delta, and more. And yes, you can do this too. I know this might sound intimidating, but Giant will literally give you everything you need to start your own coaching business from scratch. You get hands-on training from top-level coaches to learn the exact methodology and tools that six-figure coaches are using. You get an all-in-one online platform to run your entire coaching business, even if you wanna work 100% remotely. And you'll get to join a thriving community of coaches from all around the world. To get started, Giant is hosting a coaching business workshop to help you learn the ins and outs of how to build a successful coaching business. This is both for experienced coaches, consultants, and those who are looking to start coaching and consulting with little to no experience. If you wanna hear the really good news, this whole workshop, it's free, 100% free. And you can reserve your spot by going to giant.tv forward slash shadows. Why not give it a shot? What's better than making a positive change in people's lives and making some extra money in the process? Giant launches a new hiring cohort every month. Now, they only have 20 coaching slots available each month. So it's first come first serve. So go ahead and make sure you reserve your spot. If you're ready to make an impact and get paid doing it, go to giant.tv forward slash shadows, giant.tv forward slash shadows. Hello everyone. My name is Caleb Pearson and I am your guardian of the torch and host of the Ignite podcast. It's been a minute. We've been out for a little bit, but that's okay because We are coming back quick with season two, soon to come here this October. Look for us, we will be featuring guests such as Trip Bodenheimer, Scott Mason, Oleg Lohi, and some of my own mentors like Chief Duggar, now retired, Kimberly Hayes, and of course the wonderful and always delightful Shea Sparks. Continue to follow us, see what we're doing. Season two of the Ignite podcast is coming soon. We're going to be kicking it off, going live, and then posting for your listening pleasure whenever you want to, streaming on all podcast platforms. And I will keep the light on on the torch. Hey, Shadows listeners. This is Bodie, host of the Shadows podcast. Before we get started with the Chronicles of Adrian Miller, I want to make a couple of quick announcements. First, to celebrate Halloween and our one year anniversary of the Shadows podcast, we're going to be giving away some free stuff. We're going to be given a winner of this contest, a patch, Shadows podcast, the official patch uh, that all of our guests have received. You'll get that in the mail along with a handwritten note. Also, you'll receive a copy of the New York Times bestseller, Tribal Leadership, Leveraging Natural Groups to Build a Thriving Organization. Finally, I am going to host a lesson for you, your team, your organization. Uh, If you want to do one with your spouse, with friends, the group size will be of your choosing. But I will host via virtual platform, whether it's Teams or Zoom, one of two lessons from our sponsor, Giant Worldwide, either Five Voices, How to Discover Your Leadership Voice, or Five Gears, How to Be Present and Productive when there is never enough time. Each lesson runs about an hour and a half. They're very interactive as well. I encourage all of our listeners to go on and follow our Instagram page to qualify for this. Follow our Instagram page at the underscore shadows podcast, and then comment on which episode 
from the shadows is your favorite and then tag two people. That's all you have to do. The question has been asked, well, what if I already liked the Instagram page? That's fine. You can enter to go on and comment with your favorite episode, tag two people, you will be entered. Now, if they follow our page, you get two extra votes. And yes, you can tag more than two people. The more, the better. That's all you have to do. The winner will be announced at the end of the 15 October, uh, this upcoming Friday episode of Rise from the Shadows entitled Courage with the Commandant of Langley Airman Leadership School, Amy Wade. Now it is time to listen to the Chronicles of Adrienne Miller. I hope you enjoy this episode. She is an incredibly outspoken, very honest New Yorker with a very big heart. She is a sales consultant, a trainer, an author, an avid traveler, amateur photographer, theater lover, moviegoer, and network extraordinaire. She launched her sales consulting business three decades ago, and since she has worked in pretty much every industry with companies large and small. She's also an author. She has articles, blogs, podcast interviews circulating all around the internet. However, before all of her success, she talks about losing her father to a heart attack. He was 42 years old. She was 16. She shares the lessons she learned from her parents at a young age. She also opens up about the incredible story of running into the salesman that her father bought his clothes from 50 years later. So she encourages our listeners to live your best life, not to put off your dreams and to indulge in them now. So check out this episode in its entirety and also head over to Adrian's Network at adriansnetwork.com and check out her sales training at adrianmiller.com. Folks, enjoy this episode of the Shadows Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Shadows Podcast. I'm your host, Trip Bodenheimer. I am joined today by Adrienne Miller. She's the founder and president of Adrienne Miller Sales Training. Ma'am, thank you very much for taking time to be here on the Shadows Podcast. And thank you very much for having me. I'm very much looking forward to this episode. You are currently located in New York. How is yep. uh, We were talking about weather and everything. How's everything going outside of your broken foot? Um, it's a little steamy, but a, less steamy than a lot of other places like the um, uh, Northwest is like at 100 plus degrees, 110 in places that usually don't go above 75. So um, it's steamy, but, you know, in air conditioning. So you get you get through it. I haven't been to New York since 2000. So New York is like on my bucket list of places to go pretty soon. I feel like it's changed so much since 2000. It, it's changed in the uh, 17 months of COVID. Um, but <laughs> no, I'm very New York City um, centric. I love, love, love New York. All the parts of New York. I grew up in New York. And um, while I travel a huge amount, I've gone to a lot of places and love lots of other places. New York is really my home. I can't even imagine living anywhere else. I'm going to end up being like Eddie Murphy from Coming to America. I'm going to have like a Mets jacket with buttons and pins everywhere. The I Heart New York shirt. There you go. Yeah. There so you go. first thing we're going to do is we're going to get started with the rapid fire questions here for you. First one, if your name was on a product, what would that product be? Chocolate bar. Okay. What, what brand specifically? some organic chocolate bar that was ethically sourced in some remote South American country. Okay. Like a dark chocolate. It would definitely be dark chocolate and it would be uh, bought in online or in gourmet shops. It would not necessarily be a mass market chocolate bar. You're not a gas station candy bar. Not at all. No, if the going gets tough, I'll just guzzle any any kind of chocolate. Okay. <laughs> but if you said my name was on the product, hey, you know, I'm going to upscale. Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> what do you wish you had more time to do? I wish I had more time to hang out with my granddaughter. Hmm. And I hang out with her a lot. But um, I can see me imprinting 
It's so miraculous. More so, everyone said when you become a, a grandparent, it's so mm-hmm. different than when you had your own kids. I always said, oh, that's just like BS, right? And I love being a mom and all that stuff. It's so different. <laughs> How so? Like, what's the biggest difference you've noticed? Oh, you know, you're right. I could just give her back. It, you know, like when they were doing <laughs> the potty training thing, I just went, oh, not my job. been there done that it's like a pain in the butt to do really pain in the butt to do that i don't want to do that again um no it's all great if she's with me for the day and um i give her food that isn't like so nutritionally balanced she's not gonna die from having one meal (laughs) she can have a coke no no Um, but I, but it's wonderful. I, I really, um, we have a very strong relationship because I actually do babysit for her one full day a week, much to the amazement of everybody who knows me because I have a really busy work schedule and have mm-hmm. multiple companies and work very hard and all the rest of that stuff. But anything you want to do and you really want to do it and it has a greater meaning for you, you can make it work. You can yeah. figure out how you find the time. So you get up earlier and do stuff instead of being around during the workday, you do stuff earlier. Anyway, that's what I would do. Okay. And another day. You can recommend one book to somebody. What would that book be? Oh gosh, that, that actually is very, very, very hard for me. Um, And I'm going to take a fiction book only because I thought it was so multi-layered and so beautifully written. And it's over a thousand pages. And I don't usually lean into a book that's over a thousand pages. Like I'm scared. I'm scared to start. Yeah, they're like that thick. I'm scared. And I did. I read the, a book book, not on a, on a Kindle. Um, and it was a thousand. I'm going to have to give you the a thousand, a thousand something written by an, um, a, um, an Indian author and it, and it was um, a portrait of multiple families through probably five decades in India. And talk about a very um, uh, complicated social structure. India has it for sure. So is it a thousand splendia, splendid sons or something like that? I don't know. Are we going to take time to look? I was Google. I was. I threw it in the Google machine. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next question for you. Okay. You can have dinner with three historical figures who are no longer with us. I always oh, like to see people's there. answers to this. Yeah. Who they're would you no go with? Longer, oh, they're no longer with us. Um, Clarence Clemens. Um, John F. Kennedy, Amelia Earhart. Okay. Why, why did those three come to mind? Well, I love, I love music and I really love the E Street Band. And I know what an important part Clarence Clemens played in the band. And I just would think it would be cool to ask him questions and get to know a little bit more about him and see how um, the relationship between him and the other band members and traveling with the band when uh, integration was, was very problematic and um, some venues didn't allow anyone who was African-American to perform in the venue. And I believe there are um, places that Bruce Springsteen and the East Street Band pulled out of because that was an issue. Yeah. Amelia Earhart, because um, women who did things that no one expected them to do at a point in time when you know women knew their place and it wasn't in the air. Um, and John F. Kennedy, just because, um, I don't know, he was such a young president and, and there's so many, um, uh, fabulous stories about what he was able to do and accomplish and the uh, Bay of Pigs and all the rest. And then there's that other side of John F. Kennedy, a womanizer and, um, you know, and I, I'd love to know the truth. There's so many questions with him. Like I'm a big right? JFK historian and I thought the Bill O'Reilly book 
Killing Kennedy was very good. I, th- I really liked that one, but that's been one of my things. I wonder, like, you know, 50 years from now, when that generation is is a lot older, I wonder if we'll start finding out a little bit more about yeah. what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people, you know, I like it rapid fire because I, you know, I didn't think about it at all, (laughs) but I was like, the names came out of me and I had a reason and it's just, you know, there's questions you can ask and, and find out it was, you know, um, Albert Einstein would have been another one because I just read a book, the other Einstein, because he was, he was, um, he was not a good man. He, he really wasn't. He was very abusive as a, as a, as a husband and as a really? father. Yeah. Hmm. And um, in this book, which, is, which was historical fiction, and I read it fairly recently, and I haven't had time to really delve into fact versus fiction. Um, he had, his wife was the person who gave him a huge amount of the input into theory of relativity and all of that stuff so it was like I read that book but he did not come across as that wonderful a person and um interesting to talk to him too (laughs) yeah isn't it crazy how you like you'll either you know you're always told like you never want to meet person you idolize because then then you see him and you're like oh that's kind of a disappointment but yeah, same well, thing about reading about them. Yeah. And the media paints, you know, peach, people are um, larger than life on a, in good and in bad. And very rarely do you see the combination of both because people are really a combination of good and bad. It doesn't have to be radically bad or anything, but everyone has some bad qualities. They do. It could be a John F. Kennedy. Yeah, it could be a small thing. It could be a large thing. So, but the media tends to paint you with one brush. And um, I think for people who are in the media, that has to be, because they get to be a disappointment when something happens. You know who I've noticed? I've I've asked this question probably like to 15 different guests. And a lot of times the same, a couple of the same people. Mother Teresa tends to get invited to a lot of these dinners. You know who's someone who just has always intrigued me, and I think it's because you're in New York. Um, and then, even though they're not originally associated with New York, but that's where their life ultimately came to an end. But they never get invited to any of these dinners. Is um, John Lennon? Oh yeah. Talk about a controversial figure. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's very, very true. And I just, I think it would be, I think he'd be fun to have to a dinner too. I think he'd probably have a really good personality and yeah, and has had very strong values and all the rest of that stuff. Yes, and very strongly associated with um, uh, New York. Do you have to, do have time to give you this tiny little story? Oh, I was in Iceland and I got lost trying to find the Blue Lagoon. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it, there's like there's life. No, <laughs> life. Anyway, so we're we're driving around, and and there's Reykjavik, and everything else is like tiny. I mean, a, a town could have seventy people. It's like a town. Anyway, we're yeah. driving around, and we're we're nowhere, and we stop by this like we're also hungry. We stop by this like kind of cafe. We walk in. I have very low expectations, so I, I'm thinking I'm just gonna have coffee because to kind of stave off my hunger pangs so we 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 tell the guy comes out he's lovely and um, i see that iconic john lennon poster where he's wearing the little round granny glasses and he has the i love new york tank top yeah anyway i see that registers and i say i just want coffee and i see he and he and he speaks english he says why don't you try this this is really delicious it's fish something or other i go sure there's four of us so I get two orders, take it back to the table. It was probably the best thing I've ever eaten. We wolfed it down in two seconds and went back for more and then started to talk to him. And I, eventually I said, not eventually, like five minutes in, I said, what's with the poster? Yeah. He said, oh, we're we're real John Lennon fanatics here. We have a group that meets every week, a discussion group about John Lennon and the Beatles and above this cafe we went up he had made this um, room that had all Beatles posters and John Lennon posters and every book 
ever written and, you know, had a, had a computer in there all queued up to have them listen to um, tapes and, and video, watch videos and stuff. And it, we stayed there for three hours talking wow. with them. It was one of those, like, you meet someone and yeah. over the top crazy about them. We ate everything in the store. <laughs> had wow. every piece of food he could he could conjure up. So, yeah, you never know. But somewhere in this town that remains unnamed for me in Iceland is a whole mess of John Lennon lovers. And they probably would have said John Lennon immediately. Yeah. We, we were in Liverpool and I'm, I'm a big Beatles fan and we were doing like the Fab Four tour and we went to Strawberry Fields, Penny Lane, did all that. Well, we stopped off at um, Pete Best, the original drummer that when right. the Ringo Starr replaced. So his brother owns this place and you can go down there and you can see like the stage that the Beatles first performed on. They still have it. The, the ceiling that the Beatles, all four of them painted has been appraised for like this ridiculous amount. Yeah. Well, when you go there, and I, I suggest anybody, if you're ever in Liverpool to do it, they'll just start handing you stuff. So they handed me this big bronze eagle. And I'm like, what is this? And I'm holding it in my hands. And they're like, oh, that's the eagles that they were given when they landed as part of Beatlemania um, in the States. And I was like, this should be in a museum somewhere. And I'm holding it with my bare hands. And we go over to this piano and they were like, yeah, lift up the piano so you can see the keys. And when I went to lift it up, it, it broke like oh, no. it. And, and I was like, whose piano is this? And they're like, oh, that's Paul McCartney's. And I was like, I just broke Paul McCartney's piano. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to be able to afford this. And my heart was and I look around my family's, you know, like, oh, my gosh, what in the hell did you just do? And he goes like, oh, no, it's supposed to do that. Uh, but had me scared to death because I was like, I'm going to have to sell my children or something to pay for this thing. I don't know how in the world I'm going to get out of here. And but, by the way, that eagle um, should have not been held by bare hands because whatever whatever metal it is. I mean, you go into places and, you know, there's a do not touch is there yeah. for a reason, not that they necessarily, um, you know, there's a museum in New York that has these um, huge uh, uh, steel sculptures and mm -hmm. you don't touch it, not because you're going to break it. But it starts but to rub it, it off. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. A lot of the European, you know, like rub the belly for good luck. They start to get all rubbed. It's weird looking. But yeah, they gave me John Lennon's pocket knife, uh, Paul McCartney's microphone. Wow. Um, John Lennon had actually carved his name on the wall wow. and um, got in trouble. Never for been it. to Liverpool. I should do that. Definitely. Dev yeah, it, and it was actually great. one of the one of my favorite places was Liverpool. The food was amazing. But yeah. So. You survived our rapid fire questions. Okay. Now, 90 second elevator ride. Gosh. Somebody turns to you and they say, tell me about you. How would you explain your journey in 90 seconds? Oh my gosh. So I, before we started, I'd say I would never do all the talking. I would ask questions. <laughs> uh, but if I had to say who I am and what I do, I would say I am a passionate helper of people who want to create and grow their business. And by my help, I would include strategies and tactics for them to acquire new clients, for them to retain and grow their existing clients. And because I'm a writer, I would also be able to help them with content that not only gets eyeballs and gets people to say, I like that, but really engages their mind and heart and has them reach out and say, I really appreciate what you said. Can you help me? At the bottom of it all, what you should know about me is I am brutally honest, incredibly outspoken, sometimes a bit offensive in terms of vocabulary, um, but always have a very big heart and wouldn't hurt a fly. Okay. Ding. That was 90 seconds. Good job. So first thing about you, tell us about your upbringing. Uh, only child raised in New York, 
by parents who were very fashionable and um, very metropolitan. And I say that because it's very some funny pictures of my mom walking with me in a baby carriage wearing the most exquisite clothes. I mean, I yep. don't know. I goes back around, to the candy bar. That's, yeah, goes I back walked to the around bar. with a sweatshirt and a burp cloth on my shoulder. I mean, she's dressed like she was going to go on the stage. Um, I was an only child by choice. Uh, my father was a photographer. Hmm. Um, I went out to fancy dinners starting when I was a little child and learned how to have good manners in a restaurant. And then um, my dad died quite young, 42. And my mom um, was 38 and really did not make any money. Um, had a little, a quote, little job. We had a, a uh, not a very harmonious relationship. I was your typical spoiled daddy's girl. And I was a very rebellious child. So she had her work cut out for her, rose to the occasion. Only when I became a parent and got some maturity did I recognize how hard I made it for her and how much she had to deal with and overcome. And uh, she did a great job. She really did do a great job, but never said that to her and never really gave her the credit for that until I was much older. And maybe it was so far in her past, she didn't really, really remember it. I don't mean didn't remember it because she had dementia or anything like that, but really didn't remember it. You know, I don't really remembering waking up in the middle of the night to feed my kids. I mean, I, yeah, it's in my memory yeah. bank, but I don't really remember the feeling of cursing when I had to get up at 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. I think I did the same thing for her, but she, um, yeah, she put up with a lot. So that's my background, New York through and through. That's interesting. My, my father was 42 as well when he passed away. Um, what, how old were you when your father passed? 16. 16. How did that affect you at the time? Oh, it was, um, I didn't, you know, when I was 16 and my, I thought 42 was very old. Yeah. I didn't think 42 was like, in the it is not. World in the prime of life yeah. i didn't think like 42 was like when you could actually like have kids change careers you know do anything you were mm -hmm. you were young um but my see my dad was my my dad was sick for a long time and i didn't really know that i here's what i remember i remember waking up in the middle of the night and walking to my parents room and listening at the door to hear her in breathing hmm. I, and just going in the room, not waking them up and seeing the rise and fall of the blanket and then walking out. I remember doing that when I was about eight because he had his first heart attack in his 20s. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So and had five subsequent heart attacks. So obviously the heart was a muscle that was not um, and I don't know all the medical stuff. All I know is yeah. doctors to this day. Um, do cardiac workups on me, even though, and I'm fine, but even though I say, well, of course he had heart problems. He used to, you know, eat red meat and he didn't exercise. And they said, no, no, no. Everybody had, you know, nobody knew about organic this and ate, had good diets and stuff. And everyone smoked and no one exercised, but not everyone had heart attacks in their 20s. Clearly, there may, and we want to make sure it's not a genetic predisposition. But um, so it, if, you know, I had kind of almost been building up to it. And when he died, um, it was almost like not an expectation, but it wasn't like it came out of the blue Yeah. because he had, you know, he had had all those hospital visits back in the, those days. You couldn't go into the hospital to visit anyone unless you were 16. So. Um, I could never visit him in the hospital, you know, so it was um, what was the more difficult transition was realizing that it was just my mom and me. Yeah. 
And that wasn't that much fun for a while. What's something that you, looking back on it, learned from your father that you still carry with you and do day in and day out? Um, have a good time. Um, uh, live for the day. Um, I realize now I, I was way too young to think about it then, but when he had his heart attack in his twenties, it probably had some doctors say, Oh yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, this isn't a good thing. Um, he said, well, I'm going to live, uh, you know, as, as hard and as great as I can for whatever amount of years I have for myself and my family. So um, now I can say this is a road that many people will say that was a smart road, but somehow we survived. My, my father spent money like crazy. I mean, he, uh, spent money, we ate out all the time, had amazing clothes, had an amazing apartment and all that stuff. Yeah. Did not have much savings or insurance. Yeah. So, um, but I think, you know, um, living your life full you never know when you know you don't have to be sick you never know when the day is going to come no one has we no one gets out alive nobody um mm -hmm. and and you don't know when that your 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 due date is so you know set set your um set your path and and make it make it count make it count so for him yeah. he made it count he had a he had a career he loved he was passionate about me and my mom, liked to play, liked to go out and have great food and get dressed and all that stuff. And actually I have one tiny story that- that Yeah, absolutely. I, okay, so my father had a favorite clothing store and he used to go every Saturday, take me, I was a little, little child and I would go with daddy and he'd go and buy all the super expensive clothes. And the owner of the store, I mean, he was this like great customer and give me a lollipop. And I just felt glad that I was there with my dad. Anyway, um, my dad died. Uh, fast forward an amazing amount of years. And I'm in a meeting. This is a couple of years ago. I'm in a meeting and I leave the conference room and I go out to the reception area and I'm waiting to ask the receptionist something. And I hear someone talking to the receptionist, a much older man, but impeccably dressed, but a much older man. And he says, what's going on? It was a, a glass encumbrance room. What's going on in there? And she answers. And I heard the voice and my brain started click, click, clicking. And I walked over to him and I said, my father was your best customer. And he just looked at me. And he said, quote, you're the little girl. We're talking about 50 years later. Yeah. And, and he remembered me and he remembered my father. And wow. then we stood there talking about my dad. And I mean, it, it was for me, it was hearing the voice. Yeah. And, and he just, I think for him, it couldn't quite be voice because you have a very different voice when you're an adult than when you're a small five-year-old. Mm -hmm. But it was a combination of that word, just me being there. I don't know what it was, but it was one of those. Yeah. It blew me away. I could barely go into my meeting. I really could barely go back to my meeting because I couldn't stop thinking about it. I've written a blog about it. I've written, I posted on LinkedIn the other day because it all of a sudden, came through my mind. I told my husband about it. He was like, oh my gosh. That, he crazy. Said, that gives me the chills. It does. Yeah, it is kind of crazy, right? But talking to gentlemen like him or, you know, talking to your mom, what, what is like a story that you've heard about your dad that, um, you know, after his passing that, you know, just pretty much sums up who he was? Oh, I can. Yeah, perfect. So my father used to wear cashmere, a lot of cashmere. Mm. And he had a cashmere coat, cashmere wool coat. And my aunt, my mother's sister, said to him, you know, why are you buying a cashmere coat? It's so perishable. They don't really last very long. And my father turned around and said, so I'll just buy another. <laughs> and <laughs> that kind of... <laughs> 
you know, probably the most expensive material you could buy. And if it doesn't last very long, I'll get another one. I'll get another one. So if it yeah. wears out in, you know, way less time than that sturdy wool coat will last. Me, I tip my coffee over and I'm like, oh, that's two dollars. I'm not buying another one. I, I hear so I never inherited that. Yeah, that's just not my style. I like to do not do that. But I, in my mind now, given he wasn't given that many years on the planet, mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad that was the way he lived. There you go. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of us yeah. s- save up and save up and we're like, I got to get to 70 or who's to say you get there? You know, yeah. I feel that way about travel. People keep putting off travel, keep oh. putting off travel. I won't travel because the kids kids are too young. I won't travel because I'm saving for high school, college. I won't travel because I got it. And, and like, then when they realize I'm going to travel now, they, they're, there's different things going on. They're not as physically fit. Travel can be hard. Sitting on a plane for 18 hours can really be tough on your body. All the reasons why, just do it just do it and i'm not saying travel and because i happen to love 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 travel i know you love travel there are people who don't love travel and that's cool but the thing that you're putting off doing possibly you should not put that off possibly you should not put that off okay it doesn't have to be travel not everyone likes to travel that's fine but whatever it may be figure out a way to indulge it now do it now because we're not we're not guaranteed tomorrow yeah. Just not guaranteed it. So, so when we were in Europe and we were about to leave, I was telling my wife, I said, we need to go to this place and this place and this place. And she's like, well, we'll come back. I'm like, says who? We're right here, right now. We are this close to it. Let's go knock out this place, this place, and this place because I don't want to be that couple that 10, 15, 20, 30 years you from now, you're shoulda. like, should have done it. Should have done it. Yeah, I'm. I'm very intentional with with things like that. Yeah. So, so you mentioned your uh, your mother, and you talked about how this is something that is very common with people. They have a teenager who thinks that their parents don't know anything. They think they've got it figured out, and then they get older and they look back and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I learned so much from her. I wish I would have done this different." In hindsight, looking back at that relationship, what do you think uh, you could have done differently? Oh, I just definitely could have been just a nicer person. I was just such a rebellious um, girl. I really was. I mean, not not completely off the grid. I wasn't like, you know, lying in the streets with a needle in my arm or anything like that. But I definitely pushed the envelope a lot. Mm-hmm. And in all that I am, or a lot of what I am today was instilled in me by my mother. My mother really was, um, she worked really hard and she believed in hard work. I'm a really hard worker. She believed in the importance of family and family comes first, even if your family includes friends. They don't have to necessarily be biological, but family. I'm very, 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 very passionate about my my family. I really am. Um, you know, it's none of this. I'll see you in three months. You know, you're, yeah. you're, uh, if you're not living close by, I, I'll just, you know, I'll drive. I'll get in a plane. I'll do whatever I have to do. Um, um, you know, first impressions really, really count. So when I went through my really sloppy, like, funky clothes, ripped jeans, looked disgusting, looked like I should have been living on the street. And, and she said, I, you know, I know you're telling me that's what everyone does and that's hip and that's cool, but really, you know, I'm telling you first impressions count. And except for that small group of people who may think this is cool, the first impression you're making is really a bad one. Yeah. And so I hear myself talking and training. I'm a sales trainer. I train people like first impressions count. I wrote about it this morning because coming somewhere late, arriving late, first impression, you're going for a, a new meeting with a, a meeting with a new client and you show up late or you're going to do a presentation. Because yesterday with my broken foot, I went into Manhattan and I went to a meeting and I, I left three hours to get there because I didn't know 
Yeah. What was going to happen? And I have to tell you what did happen, which was interesting. I scoped it out. I found the parking garage because I couldn't take public transportation. I still am not good enough for the stairs. Um, found the garage a block and a half. As I was getting very close to the garage, this is such a New York thing, a big, big, big tow truck that's right in front of me, and this is down in lower Manhattan where the streets are this wide, stops because he's got to tow a car that he's now going to have to hook up and do all that stuff. And, and there was no way you could get around him and yeah. no way to back up. There was nowhere to back up. So it lasted about 30, 35 minutes. I was perfectly fine. I had yeah. two hours to spare. Yeah. I sat in my car. I pulled out my phone did a little bit of work, answered some emails. I wasn't like at all freaky because I knew the garage was right there. I knew I could hobble very slowly to my meeting. I was not in a rush. I was still going to be early. It was okay to sit in their reception area and do my work. I walk in, I tell them I'm real early because of the foot. Just let me sit. I don't have to be taken earlier. I'll just sit there and do my work. But all the people behind me who maybe were cutting it close or were late, well, they were probably freaking out. People were banging on their oh, horn. Yeah. They're banging on their horn. Like, what's the tow truck got? He just didn't even hear it. It was pretty funny. He didn't even like look around. Oh, he was paying no attention to it. Yeah, of course not. Because he had a job to do. His job was to attach this car that had died in the perfect wrong spot. Yeah. And 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 tow it away. He didn't care. You use people just wait. I'm on this tiny little street called Williams Street in, in New York, which is like, you know, lower Manhattan is like, you know, from the 1700s. Some of the streets yeah. kind of are the same size where you only had like a little horse and carriage go through. So, yeah, it's uh, being on time. That's my main thing these days. Yeah. For, and she, my mom was one of the more punctual people she also dressed and trait. ready to go dressed and ready to go and if you have to wait that's fine mm -hmm. we'll, we'll edit the part where you said you were waiting for two hours we'll edit to where everybody you said everyone is listening to shadows podcast for two hours they had plenty of time we'll, <laughs> we'll fit that in there so <laughs> next thing about you usually when we talk to individuals they've kind of had like a who's who of jobs trying to figure things out what i found was pretty intriguing especially like on uh when i was creeping on your linkedin page because we do that here we do our research um like i said founder and president adrian miller sales training since september of 1988 so tell yeah. us how did what was the genesis of that yeah. what does yeah. it consist of yeah so um I started my company because I had two small kids um, and I was traveling too much and it, it, it worked and it didn't work anymore. It just didn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. I needed to be grounded. And I just decided I would start a company for a year and then I get a job. Okay. I, I mean, I, that's how much I, how, 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 much I didn't think about it and how little I knew about it. And I got to remind anybody who's listening about who back in the day, we didn't have like you sit down with your laptop. Oh, forget your laptop. You sit down with your phone and you have all these support groups and all this information about how to do things, and the Google this and Google that. There was none of that. So like I kind of had to conjure it up and I didn't know that many people who had a company. I only knew people who had jobs. Now we all know people who have companies. We all know entrepreneurs. I didn't even know that word. Anyway, um, so I I did what I what I kind of instinctively, I told everyone I was starting a company, everyone I knew, and I called everyone I knew um, on a telephone that was sitting in my dining room on the table. And, um, and I was thinking, what am I good at? What am I good at? I'm really good at sales. Everyone likes me. I'm really good at sales. I know how to get people to do things, buy things, etc. That's what I'm going to be. And... <laughs> So um, I have to have two friends who worked at very big companies. It was great. And they had little tiny tasks for me to do that were kind of under the sales umbrella. Yeah. 
very loose, but I was good at it. And I, and I got to do more work there. And I realized in a short amount of time, I was very good at this. This could actually be a thing I wouldn't have to give up in a year. And I hired somebody. I actually hired somebody before I even had really a revenue stream. And um, because I knew that I was out doing the work and I needed somebody to figure out how to get me more clients. Mm. And I hired somebody and I hired them and my husband paid them out of his paycheck, the same paycheck that paid the mortgage and paid food and paid babysitters for my kids. And I had to do that for a little while until I had enough business coming in. Um, and that's how it started and has morphed and I've changed it and it's grown and it's been fabulous. And it is still my favorite thing to do. I love standing up in front of a room of people and training and teaching them to be really good at something they can make money from. And whether they make money from it or not, I can teach them that if they want to go to Hawaii and the partner they want to they want to go with really would rather go to Vermont. How to convince that person that Hawaii is the place to go? It's it's all a matter of persuasion. Yeah. <laughs> What's the biggest like success story you've heard from someone that you've helped that's made you realize like wow this is my purpose? Oh, I, I hear this from a lot of people, you know, people who have been struggling to get somebody to say yes, somebody who people who have had sales conversations that have not gone any on anywhere that have just died on the vine, you know, people who don't know how to find prospects for their business. I mean, at the end of the day, especially when I work, you know, I work with very big companies and also very small companies. It's great working with very big companies. But when I work with a small company, I, I, I can feel and see the difference I make so much more intimately yeah. and it is so much more uh, rewarding for me. Mm -hmm. um, those really, really, really big companies, if Adrian was a failure, the company wasn't going to be suffering at all. Paying me is like, a, you know, it's probably out of petty cash. Um, you know, it's, it's just not a big deal. I'm not a capital expense or anything like that. But smaller companies where I'm really talking to people of skin in the game. Oh, my God. It feels so good to know that all of a sudden, you know, doors are opening for them. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, oh, that's got to be an amazing feeling. If, if people want to find out more information about your sales training, where can you refer them to? Um, the website is adrianmiller.com and Adrian is A-D-R-I-A-N. That was the other quirky thing my parents did. They named me with the male spelling for Adrian. That's how guys spell Adrian. Yeah. Yeah. But I was never a guy. I didn't do any transgender thing. I didn't do anything different. <laughs> Here I am. I was always a baby girl when I was born. And they, they named me with the guy spelling. And I asked them why as I got older, why'd you do that? Because it was problematic in school. Um, back in the day when there was, we were a lot less PC on putting kids into categories. I know it's different now, but it wasn't yeah. so different when I was in school. You were in the boy girl, you got the boy uniform or the girl uniform. That's what you got. And I always got the boy uniform. And then I had a, you know, my mom had to go or call them or I had to show up and say, oh, I don't wear the boy uniform. And they told me they did that because they wanted it to be different. And I said to them, different was not necessarily always good, but I appreciate it now. It's the same spelling as Rocky's, Rocky's wife. Is it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. for a long time, yes, I had a lot of yo, Adrian. Oh, I was, I was going to, I wasn't even going to ask you that. It's like Thank people you. telling me they're, they see you. trip and Thanks. they're like, did you trip? Did you fall? Like stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, never heard it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Okay, so also you mentioned you're a writer. Yes, yeah, so I have a company, um, I have two, one called Words Work Copywriting and the other one called The Three, not the, three, the number three hyphen giraffes. 
Um, so I, yeah, I've written a book called The Blatant Truth. You can get a free download at theblatanttruth.com. It's about sales. Um, and yeah, I write lots of blogs and newsletters and websites and anything with words. That's, that's awfully fun for me. Some people hate to write. I will definitely be reaching out to you. Caleb, uh, host of Ignite Podcast, he and I are working on a book. And uh, I come from the Robinson County School District in North Carolina. So I'm going to need some help. So <laughs> I'll probably be reaching out to you. I know lots of editors also and publishers, self people. Who, well, it's not self I publishers also because I'm having a book. Um, I'm, I wrote two books. I'm not writing another one, but I am part of a book. Um, it's a compilation of chapters on business topics. Hmm. And I'm one of the chapters. It's actually for Adrian's network, the networking community I started. And my, um, I thought my chapter was really good. And the editor came back to me with some suggestions. Editing is an amazing skill amazing skills. See, I'm not an editor. I'm a writer. Editors see things so different. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Everybody should have an editor. And how cool too, just to be like, yeah, I'm an author. <laughs> yeah. That's like, I want to do a Ted talk and be an author. And then I'd, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a, a Ted talk speaker and I'm an author and podcast. You know where I wrote my book? I wrote my book one year. I was doing a tremendous amount of work in California and I was flying back and forth a lot, like at least once or twice a month. That's a six mm -hmm. hour flight. That's where I wrote my book. Really? And the well, flight? Sure. Yeah. Back and forth. It's really not in one flight, but because yeah. on the plane, there's, there's not many distractions. Yeah. I mean, I chose not to watch the movie and I chose not to, you know, enable my uh, email and stuff like that. I just said, this is a wonderful, I have a blank yeah. page in front of me and six hours. And I just wrote and I just wrote and I just wrote. Sleeping's always the worst on a plane. Like I always try to sleep and I'm like, why I'm cranking my neck and you yeah, put the I little tray. Yeah, it's tough. So yeah, I, that's, can't, why I not? can't do it. So I try to do something productive. And yeah, if I have not? really long flights, I do watch the movies, but I knew I wanted to write a book. So yeah. I said, when else am I going to have this opportunity? Never. That's smart. Yeah. You mentioned Adrian's network. Tell us about that. Um, it's a, uh, Adrian's network is a networking community with about 400 people, um, nationwide. Um, I'd be lying if I didn't say it was heavily skewed towards New York, uh, metropolitan area. But the truth is now that we're doing so much virtual, it's, we do have members, um, all over the country and it's a networking community. We offer opportunities for people to make connections with um, people who could either be clients, but even more importantly, could be really great referral sources mm. because one good referral source is probably better than a client because they, um, they can just keep introducing you to people. Yeah. So um, we have Zoom calls. Now we've returned to some in person in Manhattan, but we have a, we have um, two Zoom calls a week, hmm. and um, it's you know go on a Zoom and check it out and check out the website. It gives you a good idea for who we are because we do do a lot of social and fun things as well. But it's AdriansNetwork.com, and it's cool. I mean, it's been very beneficial for a whole lot of people. You so. are all over the place with, you got so many things going on. It's incredible. What I like to be busy. See, yeah, I got that from my mom too. And I'm very busy and doing it with a broken foot, even though I can tell it's only been like three business days with a broken foot. It's not as easy. You were talking but. before we hit record about how your husband's trying to like corral you and you're like all over the place going downstairs to do laundry and stuff. And so let me ask you this question, uh, COVID, how did that impact you? So COVID, COVID impacted me personally because of, <laughs> because I do like a lot of the things that were shut down, like mm -hmm. theater and eating out and very social things. I'm a social person. Um, in terms of work, um, I didn't really miss a beat because as a sales trainer, I just converted all my in-person sales training to Zoom. It, in my mind, I would always much rather be in person, 
I got very positive feedback from it. So I, I think I accomplished what I needed to accomplish, but I was exhausted doing it so hard to do training for hour upon hour on Zoom. Um, but I did it. The writing, of course, didn't have to do anything different. I'm, I don't write in a group setting. So writing wasn't a problem. The networking, we just made all of our meetings Zoom instead of in person. Um, so it was really all good. Um, except for, of course, all of the, the social um, isolation and the feeling, the, the level of anxiety that I wore like a cloak, just, just um, you know, just a little bit of fear for everybody, just fear for everybody, everyone I loved and how things would move forward. And we're still all finding our way. I think there are pe people who have... Um, a little bit of PTSD, um, their ability to re-enter is, is very problematic. They'll admit it. They, yeah. they feel very uncomfortable going into anything that has more than, you know, like two people and getting on a subway is never going to happen as far as they're concerned, which I don't believe is true, but, but it'll be a while. And yeah. it's, it's still very hard for some people I know. Much easier for me. <laughs> I was like ready. It's ready. so interesting, like looking at like there's already documentaries and stuff being made about when COVID kicked off and just how like looking at it, you're like, oh, it seems like an eternity. And then you remember how you felt when that happened and the rush for toilet paper. And yes, that crazy stuff. So I was um, I, I can't tell you how many bottles of this I have. Purell. Oh, I must yeah. Yeah, I, I'll never be able to use them up because as far as I'm concerned now, I just rather wash my hands with yeah. bar of soap in a bathroom. This is killing me, this alcohol. Oh, but it I dries have mine out. Dried 50 of them. They're all over in my house and I, uh, 20 in my car. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with them. Yeah. Um, what was very strange for me is I flew back into New York just as we were shutting down because I was on vacation mm. in Key West which is one of my favorite places in the yeah, world. Yeah. And I go every year and I came home just as um, pretty much Governor Cuomo said, uh, that's it. <laughs> that's it. You can't go to work. Lock no everything work. up. Everything's locked down. There's no restaurants. There's no this. We basically, well, it was a stay home order. Mm -hmm. It was a stay home order. But I heard the stay home order, but I had to get back from the airport. <laughs> but yeah. seriously, it was... Um, so that was my last uh, plane ride. Wow. So, yeah. Well, you're, it seems like your businesses are doing phenomenal. And it seems like you you definitely have adapted with the changes and, and you know, just thrived throughout you gotta, all the you gotta, you got You have to adapt. I mean, it, we can have this enormous change like COVID, but we can all have, we have, you know, I, I have a, a, a broken ankle cause, a broken foot caused from turning my ankle. I mean, I have to adapt what I'm going to be doing for the next four. And we have to adapt all the time. Every day. It's just, it's, it's so much of what we have to do is, is attitude. So much of how mm -hmm. we succeed in an ad adaptation is optimism or pessimism. And I'm intrinsically an optimistic person. Yeah. I have been told I am, for some people, the most optimistic person they know. Not like, not in a stupid way, like, oh, it's all good. It's not always all good. It's not always all good. Yeah. Let's, you know, come on. However, it may not always be all good, but it always is, you know? And how are you gonna deal with the is that you've been, the hand that you've been dealt? And you can choose to do it a different way. Negativity takes so much energy. It's so draining. It's so Lost taxing. It. And I look at people who live with that mindset and I'm like, you, that is a choice, but I'm, I'm going to wake up happy. It's easy. It, it is absolutely thankful a for the breath in your body. And, you know, I also, I give people look, really, really, really bad stuff happens. And everybody is, you know, I think we're quote, allowed a period of time absolutely. for bitching and moaning or crying and wailing. And, but then, then there's that, that, you know, you have to kind of close that door. You don't have to shut it irrevocably, but it, you can close the door and move to the next room. You, 
You have to. Yeah, you can't like, live in that space. The ones that get me are, why are you acting that way? Well, it's Thursday. Okay. It's Thursday, you know, the the 20th or whatever of the month. I'm like, okay, you're just choosing to be that way today. But yeah, you're right. I absolutely agree. You get that, you get that window. But I mean, we both of us sitting here, we've been through some tough times, but you stay positive, stay positive, and move forward. Well, you ever be, are you ever with someone who, who's like complaining about something and you offer up like, oh, well, some solutions, like different solutions, because what they're complaining about isn't like, it's not like, you know, solving the cure for cancer or something. Mm-hmm. It's like not that big. And you give them all the solutions and they smack them away. Oh. And I was in a conversation like that. And my husband was listening. And then he said, quote, Adrian, they don't want your solution. There's they, nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. They just actually want to complain and live in that space. And your very good solutions are nothing they want to hear about. In fact, you're getting them annoyed by being I have been like, told oh. that time and time again. Let it go. It's not your problem. Let them yeah. figure it out. They'll yeah. figure it Because then you almost find yourself getting frustrated because they're not picking Absolutely. up on it. They're not getting it. And it's like, the hell's wrong with you? And then it's like, you know what? Absolutely. Let them figure it. Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I've absolutely had that happen very recently, actually. Um, <laughs> so final thing for you, and this has been an yeah. incredible episode. Final thing. What do you want your legacy to be? Oh, my legacy. God, you know, I saw, someone asked me that the other day, not on a podcast. And I said, legacy, you mean I'm not going to be here forever? <laughs> well, you said it earlier. You said it earlier. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I want to be, I want to be remembered as somebody who um, worked hard, helped people, loved large and laughed loud. Nice. That could be that's, on my tombstone and I'd be very happy. I was like, that sounded like a, like a Hobby Lobby sign. Well, you know something. what? I'm a writer. So like people yeah. call me up and say, can you give me a title? And I can whisk off like 10 titles in like five seconds. And they go, thanks. And they hang up and, and like, then I'll look on LinkedIn and there's my title. There's your- and I go, How do you do that? <laughs> I go, I don't know. I can't do my own taxes. I can't. There's so many things I can't do. I, 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 I have no idea how to hang a picture, how to do any, any like. Well, they look good behind you. <laughs> well, I can take the pictures. I can just yeah. shoot them. I just can't hang them. But it's like everybody has their thing. Everyone mm-hmm. has their gift. The good thing is to find your gift. That's the sad part when you don't allow yourself to find your gift. Very true. What final comments do you have for our listeners? Find your gift. <laughs> I just thought about how sad it is when you when you work in that job you hate, but you haven't even allowed yourself to indulge in your gift as a hobby or yeah. as a second thing. Whatever it is, what makes you passionate, what you you would do even if no one paid you, what you would do be you would choose to do on top of almost anything else that you have, you got to do it. Because we are not sure when we're going to run out of time. Do and something it could be tomorrow. Do it. Do something, even if nobody pays you to do it. That's what we call the Shadows Podcast. Um, yeah, no, that's that's it's very... like Nike. You know that that their just tagline: do "Don't sue me, but just do it." You know, I know yeah. you're trademarked and all the rest of that stuff. But whoever came up with that, I think it was the guy who was Phil something or other, maybe Phil similar. Knight. Yeah, I think so. I don't know who said that. Maybe it was someone at Shia Day, I think was their um, advertising agency. But just do it. I mean, yeah. how perfect is that? Right? They won't come after us. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, ma'am, thank you so much for taking time to do this. Definitely going to have to get you back for an episode of Rise from the Shadows, which by the time this episode is released is available on all podcast platforms and the shadowspodcast.com. Ma'am, one last time. Where can they find out more about you? Okay. Adrianmiller.com because that'll give you links to social media. It'll give you links to my phone, my uh, email, my phone number and all that stuff. I'm super responsive to um, questions, texts, emails or anything else because I, I like people. <laughs>
Yeah, good friends. You you also mentioned uh, first time we connected Scott Mason and how who is a listener of the show for been on the show as well. And I do uh, co-host with him and Oleg on just a squirrel looking for a nut uh, once a month. But uh, you, you said you, you had he came over to your house and was there for quite some time, right? Well, I met Scott um, at, when I was running in to do a speech, just kind of very uh, impromptu. I wound up sitting down at the table he was at and we got to be good friends through all the talking. And then, yes, he's come to my house twice, both times. It's like he, the conversation just kept going and going and going and going. So what you think would be two or three or four hours is double that. He's incredible. Awesome. And then you still don't want to want to break it. I was talking to my husband, you know, we were talking about maybe we'll go out to dinner and we'll pick a restaurant. We'll go with Scott. And I said, no, because then we have to like restaurants are not going to let you own the table. You'll be like a European. You'll be there for you'll make a three hour event out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But there are people like that. You just know you can talk to and the conversation will just go to all these different places. Yes. And all the places are good. I love talking to him because I can say an apple and we can talk about an apple for two hours and it'll go down so many different routes, but. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, ma'am, thank you so much for being here, for taking time to be a guest. I have some construction going on behind us. I I hear ladders and stuff being popped up. Um, But thank you. And that is going to conclude this episode of the Shadows Podcast.